Welcome to the O Shift for Teens podcast, a show where I team up with a thought leader and we discuss a new topic question that will help you better understand your teens. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of O Shift for Teens and its accompanying workshop kit and curriculum. This super easy to facilitate, life-changing material is being used by folks just like you throughout the United States and beyond. Head to oshift.com and choose one of the many ways you can become involved in this worldwide movement. Well, I hope your week is going well. I'm so excited to be with you again today. I have a really wonderful conversation with Dr. Alicia Farrell, and I'll be getting to that in just a minute. But before I do, I want to remind all of you that Jennifer Powers and I are gearing up for our spring speaking season. Jen will be delivering her O-Shift keynote to people all over the country. You may as well get in on it. You can contact me at marketoshift.com and bring Jen out to your next conference or event or training or management training. All kinds of uh, different people bring Jen out and listen to O-Shift and get inspired and have their lives changed. Why not you? Go ahead and contact me at mark at oshift.com, and we will be uh, glad to find out exactly what your needs are and, and take care of them. Well, again, my guest today is Dr. Alicia Farrell. We talk about communication once again with teens, and that is always a tricky topic. And uh, Dr. Farrell has just such a wonderful insight and way of presenting it. So let's get to that conversation right now. My guest today is Dr. Alicia Farrell. Dr. Farrell is an accomplished cognitive psychologist, professional speaker, and founder of Clearview Consulting. She's an expert problem solver and university professor and has twice been awarded a fellowship in support of her research on wisdom. Her work is to educate and coach people and organizations on how to maximize brain power and solve problems. She also has a private practice working with teens, adults, couples, and families who want to make healthy and durable changes in their lives. Dr. Farrell, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. You know, I talked to you just a moment ago. You said you're from Connecticut. You're my first Connecticut person. Oh, is that right? Well, lucky <laughs> you. You get to talk to a Yankee. <laughs> is that right? Is that what they call you? Well, that's what they call us up here. I'm not actually from Connecticut, but I've been here almost 15 years. So they're just now starting to accept me. <laughs> is, that, is that how long it takes? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty, they come along slowly up here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate you being on this show. And, of course, we've talked a little bit uh, before now. And um, I, I'm very, obviously, very impressed by your bio. And um, I really enjoy the topic that you've asked to talk about. Now, my guests already know so what I do is I send out a list of potential topics to my guests so that you get to pick the one that you feel you know, most comfortable with. And I know that you probably feel comfortable with most of the topics that I brought up. But the one that you picked was how parents can let go of their teens without losing control. Now, you worded that. That wasn't one of my topics. You worded that one, how parents can let go of their teens without losing control. So I have to ask you, what are you meaning exactly when you say that? What I mean by that, and that's actually a title of one of the talks that I do because it's one of the more challenging aspects of parenting, and that is figuring out when and how to let go in our children's lives 
so that they can mature into themselves and develop resilience and grit and get to know, get to know who they are and what they're capable of. And that letting go really starts very early on in childhood, but it's particularly difficult in the teen years. Yeah. What makes it, what makes it so challenging? I, I, of course, I have my own theory, but what makes it so difficult? Because it's the age-old problem, right? It's that conflict between the teen who's yearning for this independence and parents that it's, you know, my way or the highway kind of philosophy that worked, you know, for years, but now isn't working out so well. Yeah, and what we really need to do is, you know, we've gone from that authoritarian style parenting back in the 50s where it was just, you know, your my way or the highway to this over-parenting where we're so involved in our children's lives and overly involved in solving their problems and overly involved in protecting them from the consequences of their choices and really coming from a place of fear because it's such a complicated and competitive world and we want our kids to be happy and successful. So we've lost our way parenting-wise and we need to get back to a more authoritative style of parenting which is really more of a collaborative approach that kicks in early on in our children's lives and the teen years becomes particularly important. So deciding what those, those strict, um, I call them hard stops, those boundaries that are non-negotiable, and then allowing everything else to be somewhat negotiable so that our kids learn to think for themselves. They learn to make mistakes and pick themselves back up. Um, and it's hard because in the teen years, the things that they want to do can oftentimes be threatening to their future, threatening to their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health. And so the, the, you know, the ante goes up in the teenage years, and that makes it really hard for us as parents to, to let go. Okay, so, okay, and, and it's very true, and I'm experiencing that now, and it's a little easier for me than some, but uh, how do we trust, that if, as we're letting go, that they are going to be safe? Because as you said, I mean, there is some implicit dangers out there uh, how, 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 how do we trust that it's all going to work out? <laughs> that's, so, that's such a great question because uh, you, don't, you don't even know if it's working out until your children are in their 20s, sometimes even in their 30s. So you really, that's one of the things that makes parenting so challenging is that you don't get that feedback, right? That, oh, gosh, I'm doing a great job. You know, look at my kids. Yeah is just going to be a fabulous adult and self-sufficient. So there isn't, it's, you know what it is more than trusting? It's about knowing what your values are and deciding based on those values where you need to put the boundaries in place for your children. When you know that, then you've done the best job you can at keeping them safe. And then they have to work through the rest with your obvious support. You know, you never walk away. Uh, yeah. You never let go of control. But um, I'm trying to think, let's see, of a perfect example here. Um, so, for example, one of the big risks in the teenage years is drug use, right? There's right. experimentation. Kids want to experiment. And that's, that's what they're programmed to do at that stage in their lives. They have 
a reward system in their brain, a dopamine-based reward system that is very sensitive and very reactive, and it encourages them to engage in risky behavior and to experiment. So one of the biggest challenges as parents of teens is to where do you put the boundaries? So you have to decide as a parent, for example, in my household, we had a no-drug policy. It wasn't going to happen. And if it happened, uh, my son knew what the consequences of that were going to be. And we were very strict about that. Now, when it came to him going out on a Friday night, hey, go do what you're going to do, have fun. You know what our expectations are. You know what the consequences are. And then I have to let go. And, I, yeah. you know, I'm not going to get a whole lot of sleep, but <laughs> i got to let go. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, feels, uh, it feels like, you know, the, the words that come to mind is like choosing your battles and to figuring out those, those pillars that you are going to stick to. And then once you've established it, and I'm, I'm guessing communicating clearly the consequences of, you know, the, inevitably it's going to be their choice whether they're going to abide by the rules or not. But there are consequences. Having, having the consequences, you know, follow through if it happens, but sort of allowing them, showing them trust, showing them a, a high level of confidence and that they can rise to the, you know, expectations. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it sounds crazy, Mark, but all of this in preparation for the teen years, all of this starts when you have your child, when your child is born. You have to start letting go at that moment. And the way to do that is to identify what's developmentally appropriate. What, what are your, the expectations you should have of your child at all of their developmental milestones? And that's going to right. be based on, on what we know in the literature, but it's also going to be based on your child, knowing your child and what they're capable of. And then you don't do for your children what they can do for themselves. So if you have an infant, you want to make sure that that infant spends time just laying on, on a, a blanket and squirming around because that's how they're yeah. going to eventually figure out how to flip over, Right. Right. But if you're sitting there flipping them over all the time, they're not going to figure out how to do it themselves. That's just a wonderful analogy. Right. So if you have that relationship with your child from the start and you're conscientious about challenging them with things that are developmentally appropriate, they're going to build their confidence in themselves. They're going to build resilience. They're going to build grit. And they're going to build a sense of self. And so when they hit their teen years, it's, you know, it's going to be challenging, but it doesn't have to be a mess. I mean, teens are fabulous. They're just so full of energy and so, I don't know, I, I love teens. They're, yeah. uh, they're invigorating to be around. They're fun. Yeah. And if you have a relationship with your child that you've already established that's based on respect and based on reasonable boundaries and expectations that are developmentally appropriate, the teen years are going to be so much easier for everybody. Yeah, I, I just think uh, that is so true. And, and both you and me, I feel like, know that. But let me ask you this. 
for those, many of the people that are listening right now are doing so because they need help. They need help and they've, they, they have teens and they've sort of maybe have even passed that line where they haven't necessarily established what we're talking about. Is, do, do you feel like it's possible, you know, once you're sort of deep into, I'll give you an example. I, I used to go to this gym and the owner, you could see he was having some real trouble with his, uh, his kid. She was uh, just entering high school and she was just rebelling, obviously, and uh, he didn't know what to do. He was going with the old, you do what I say, and if not, you know, like I said before, it's my way or the highway. What can we do when we've already sort of messed up? We've, we've sort of taken that approach, and now we need to sort of change directions based on what, what they're hearing here. Any ideas? Yeah. yeah. Well, I do that every day in my practice, and it, it works. Because here's the thing. What do our children really want to do? They want to please us. I mean, really, even when, they're, even when they're pushing against the boundaries, even when they're – I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. That's their job. Their job is to, to really irritate us. <laughs> you know, we want them to do that because that's how they establish their independence. But what they really want to do is they want to do the right thing. They want to please us. So when we've gotten off track and our children are out of control, they're resilient. So when they start to see that you respect them and that you're listening to them and that you're validating them, they will come around. Now, does that mean it's going to be a smooth sailing? No. Is it a linear process and you just, you know, follow this this easy five-step thing and it's going to happen? No, that's not we're human. There's going to be some ups and downs. There may be some mistakes. There may be some big mistakes that you make or they make. But ultimately, when you get the communication right, things settle down. More than anything, these kids want to be heard and validated. Just like us all, right? Just like us all, exactly. (laughs) And what do we tend to do with teens when they they get all worked up and they throw a fit and they, you know, and we, we tighten and we tighten and we tighten, right? Yeah. Around them. But we don't validate. We don't say, I get it, I get it, it's confusing, isn't it? Let me tell you, one of, the, one of the really powerful things you can do as a parent is tell stories about how you screwed up. Huh. Kids love to hear these stories, and they, all of a sudden they can relate to you. So you're not this authority figure, you're not perfect. They see you right. as being on this pedestal. And you want to bring yourself down and say, oh, my God, dude, I know you just failed your chemistry exam. Let me tell you what I did when I was a junior in high school. And you're going to yeah. think, oh, my God. It's going to be okay, all right? So you made a mistake. Let's talk about what you can do differently next time. Instead of saying, you know, what a freaking mess you are and what are you thinking? And, <laughs> right. oh, my God. Yeah. That's, you know, that's shaming, right? Yeah, and I and, and I think that parents fall into that rut because they feel like if they if they admit that they're infallible, then the teens will say, "Well, uh, that's just okay then for me to be that way." So what you're saying is, but by doing that, we create separation and uh, we we don't validate them, and then we we really I I think the the relationship would suffer. 
It does suffer. And that's the last thing you want because that's, that's the, the end of the road is that, you know, they can screw up and do all this stuff and make your life miserable, but that relationship always needs to be there for them. One of the ways to ensure that is to take care of yourselves as adults too. I mean, we have to have a, lives of our, a life of our own and fill our cups up so we have the reserves to, to you know, negotiate our way through this, this incredibly complicated thing called parenthood. Right. Right. Well, and if people are listening to the show, it, I mean, it's a good start. It shows that they're making an effort. And if you're a listener, if you're willing to make that effort, there is a lot of resources. And one thing about teens and teen research is that, it's it's not changing a lot. I mean, they, they've, they've pretty much figured out how they operate. So a little study, a little research is going to go a long way for you to understand your team. Dr. Farrell, uh, a few minutes ago, you said something that I, I want to I circle back to because I think there's a lot of people that work with teens and the parents of teens that are like, no way. But you said children want to please us and so I'm here in a relationship with my teen, and all I feel like I'm stuck because they just seem to be pushing against my rules. They seem to be rebelling. And now I'm hearing you say that children want to please us, and that might be a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's a difference between teens wanting to please us and their willingness to do what we tell them to do, right? So their job is not necessarily to simply pull out our instruction sheet that we would love to put together as a parent and follow it and and in that way please us, right? Right. What I mean when I say that parents, that kids want to please their parents is that they want their parents to respect them. They want their parents to love them. They want their parents to like them. They want to see themselves as reflecting off of their parents. So they, they want their parents to feel like, like they're wonderful people, you know? And it sounds like that runs counter to what they're trying to do in the teen years but ultimately recognize that when they do push against the boundaries and they do make a mistake, they feel horrible. Yeah. And we forget to recognize that. We forget to validate that for them oftentimes because we're so angry or we're so freaked out or we forget that they're suffering because they have disappointed us. Yeah. And we we might... We, we might come to a different conclusion because maybe they're not showing us that and they seem defiant, but part of their defiance is could be that they aren't feeling validated by us. And it's like, ugh, you know, and so they're, by not getting that, it's like it creates more separation. I, I really want to emphasize this point of children wanting to please us or teens want to please us. I think for for parents if if you're listening right now and you're like what no way does my kid is that true for my kid i would challenge that and 
I think that it can bring you comfort in the relationship, empathy for your child if you at least consider the possibility that your kid wants to please you. No matter how they're acting out, they do. And so uh, what you've said, Dr. Farrell, I think is so true. They need validation. They need to be approached maybe in a different way that um, allows them to know that no matter what, that you love them, that you're pleased by them, and that you're, you're working towards some solutions so they don't feel like they have to act out. Oh, well said. I, I do every once in a while say something smart. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking myself up here. But I, I, I really think because, you know, uh, my wife, Jennifer, she's a step parent. And, um, you know, I brought that up to her before. And, I, and it's been a, a big learning curve for her. And I, I think that was hard for her to imagine um, but once she did, she's like, oh, that's, that's an interesting, you know, concept. And I think it brings, it can bring comfort to that tense relationship when you realize that these teens aren't existing to make your life miserable. That's not what their mission is. It's sort of, that's what's bubbling over and it's creating some misery. But if you can see it in a different way, it can create uh, empathy and, and possibilities for uh, connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you can shift. So when we think of our kids acting out um, and the consequences associated with that, we think of punishment. We think of, okay, now, you know, we are going to have to punish this child or the school system is going to have to punish this child. And a much more productive approach to parenting when it comes to consequences is more of a of a positive parenting approach, which requires some proactivity on your part. And certainly you can't do this all the time. But in the teen years, if you know that there are a handful of things you can expect your child is probably going to try uh, or, you know, their tendency because of their temperament they're going to end up doing, then decide ahead of time uh, what your expectations are. Have conversations with your children around that problem solve with them. So say, hey, let's say you go to a party and you experiment with some marijuana and we have a no drug policy. What do you think the consequences should be? And then you together as a team decide how you're going to handle the situation ahead of time so that when it happens, the, the child is not surprised. They don't feel um, punished they feel like, okay, this is fair. This is what I said the consequences should be, and we agreed on it. Right. And oftentimes what I find in my practice is that the kids will be far harder on themselves <laughs> than the parents would be. And it's really funny because I had this one family in, and this young man, they were trying to control his use of technology, and he was stealing and sneaking the screens, and, you know, it's a typical situation. And the parents were struggling, and they, they decided on some boundaries, and we had this conversation. And so I asked this young man, well, okay, so if you do steal your mother's phone and you're hiding out under your bed playing games on it, what do you think the consequences should be? And he said, oh, well, I, I think you should take my phone away for six weeks. Oh, and my the gosh. Parents were, and the parents were like, 
six weeks, that's kind of long. Do you think that that, and he said, no, I think six weeks because, you know, if we're agreeing this is the way it's supposed to be, then that that was wrong of me to do. Wow. And uh, it's so interesting. They will punish themselves worse than you could ever think of. Right, right. Yeah, I, I remember that when grading sometimes, you know, you'd say, well, what do you think? You know, how do you feel like you did? And, uh, usually they would score themselves lower than what you would actually score them. Same thing. Isn't that interesting? It yeah. is. I, I love that idea, though, it, it, in collaborating on what consequences should be because it, it changes the relationship between um, – I did something bad, I'm, you're going to be the punisher, to this is something that we both sort of want me to stay away from or do better with, and we're coming up with a plan, and there's, obviously there's going to be more buy-in. If, if I've been, I, I've been part of the, one of the architects of the plan, there's going to be more buy-in. Plus, I just understand it better. I've thought it through, you know, how it's going to all lay out. Yeah, and you've had a chance to connect with your child in a respectful way. You've been able to say to them, look, one of our family values is honesty. And so if you're lying to us, then you're violating a family value. What do we do about that? What do you think in this situation or that situation, what do you think we should do? And then you get to hear how your child thinks about things too. And you can do this with a child, I mean, really quite young. You just speak to them in an in age-appropriate fashion, and um, you develop this collaborative relationship early on. Then you have those lines of communication open to talk with your child when, you know, when they're pushing away the way that they right. do in the teen years. Yeah, and it, it makes it easier for you later on to... Uh, to establish that. And of course, as I mentioned, you know, some of the people listening haven't done that and it's not too late. One of the mistakes, and I can remember making it um, when I was first teaching, but that adults make often is they think, well, if I say something or if I try something and it fails, well, it's going to, you know, it's going to look terrible. But kids, I remember as a teacher that I would go in and they were just waiting for me to tell them how to do things. You know, they're just like, okay, we're going to do something. Oh, whatever. You know, they just sort of follow along. So it isn't as risky as you might think by, by trying something new. Dabble a little bit. Try something that you haven't before uh, based on what Dr. Farrell is talking about, and, and you, you might be surprised. I think that's great to experiment like that and to be gentle on yourself. All you have to do if you make a mistake and something didn't work is just be honest with your children and just say, hey, I'm really sorry I talked to you that way. I was, I was having a tough day and I really, it was disrespectful and respect is one of our family values and I violated it. I screwed up. I'm human, just like you are. And I'm telling you, these kids love that. They love the fact yeah. that you're admitting that you did something wrong. And they'll forgive you in a New York minute. I mean, they're yeah. not, they're going to be like, oh, it's okay. I'm all right. Don't worry about it, Mom. It's, it's cool. 
Yeah, I, I can remember, and I've said this on a show before, but I can remember the one time, time my dad came in and apologized for something. That it, it melted me like butter, you know. And now, if you're making mistake after mistake, it might become a little disingenuous if you're apologizing and doing the same thing immediately. But um, <laughs> it, it, it is important to be able to show them how that looks, how to be uh, able to admit your mistakes. Now, Dr. Farrell, we're just about out of time, but I, I do want to ask you uh, one last question, which is, how, and you sort of alluded to it here, but um, how honest should we be with our kids about what it is we're doing? You know, say I have, you know, I'm listening to the show and I've, I haven't been doing it right and I've got some new ideas now that I've been listening. Um, should I just sort of, you know, adopt those in the way I, I communicate with my kids? Or should I also let them know and say, listen, I feel like I haven't been, uh, I've been making some mistakes. I'm trying something new. Here it is. Or should we kind of keep that part covert so they don't feel like we're manipulating the situation? I am all for honesty. I just think we need to all get over ourselves, you know, <laughs> and, and just be honest with your children. So if you hear this talk and you think, well, I want to try something a little different, you know what? You're sitting around having dinner and you say, yeah, you know, I was listening to this podcast and I'm wondering, I, I feel like I've been talking to you disrespectfully. I haven't been listening very well to you. Um, and I want to change that. So you may notice that there'll be some changes and some might work and some don't, but I need your help. So that's where the collaboration comes in again. You say, I'm going to need your feedback. So I'd actually be really curious right now how does it feel when you and I get in an argument and I'm yelling at you? What does that feel like? And your kid says, well, you know, it doesn't feel great. You know, it kind of makes me sad or it makes me angry. Well, I'm going to try it differently next time. And, and then maybe you and I could talk about how that worked. So powerful. And I, and I am a hundred percent with you. I just don't see any downside. You know, if you got yourself in such a rut where honesty is going to, um, you create a problem, then slowly work your way out of that and, uh, you know, until you get to the point where any type of honesty is going to be accepted and, and build the relationship. Dr. Farrell, wonderful talking to you. So sweet. Um, how do people find out more about what you have going on? Yeah, so the best thing to do is to go to my website, which is com. And um, it's A-L-I-C-I-A, F as in Frank, A-R-R-E-L-L, Ph.D.com. And you can contact me through my website as well. Um, and, yeah, I love to hear from people. I love to help in any way I can. I have clients really all over the country, and I speak nationally. So um, if there's anything, there's a, on my website, there's a, a list of all the different talks I do. I can customize those depending on people's needs. Um, and what I encourage people to do is if you are, if you feel like you, you have made some mistakes and things are really tough at home, find somebody, a professional that you can work with 
for a couple of sessions. You don't have to go see a psychologist for the rest of your life, you know. I mean, that's, <laughs> I, have, I have parents that come in for just one or two sessions and they say, hey, Junior's doing this or this is, and we sort it out and they go home and they try something new and inevitably they call me and say, oh, my God, I can't believe how just that one thing made things better. So yeah, yeah. sometimes you really feel like you're in the pit and there's no way out. And the reality is you make a few changes and boom, you're, you're out. Yeah, I, I'm a huge advocate of that. Uh, you know, get some help. Don't go it alone. If you're stumped, I mean, it is. It's a very challenging time um, to, to have kids, you know, when they're in their teen years. Or it can be. It can be truly wonderful, as you mentioned at the top of the show, but it can be very challenging in a time when some relationships completely break down, dissolve, and go their separate ways. And we certainly don't want that to be the case for you guys out there. Uh, Dr. Farrell, do you do, and I know you, you do speaking around the country, do you do um, phone coaching, consulting, any of that? I do, yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of that as well. So I've got a private practice here in Connecticut, and then I have clients that I work with on the phone all over the country as well. So, um, folks, folks, if you've, you might think, oh, I'd like, rather be in person, uh, with a consult like that, um, you get used to being on the phone very quickly. I, I suggest you contact Dr. Farrell and, uh, if you need that kind of help. And, and certainly, um, you, you'll, like I said, you'll get used to it really fast. Dr. Farrell, wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I hope the snow goes away in Connecticut soon. Thank you. <laughs> I hope so, too. Otherwise, I might be banging on your door. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, and uh, have a great week. All right, Mark. Take care. Well, what a lovely person Dr. Farrell is. I look forward to the possibility of having her back on the show again sometime, hopefully, in the near future. Hey, listen, if you've thought about becoming a facilitator of the O-Shift Workshop Kit or the O-Shift for Teens Workshop Kit, well, you should do it now. You can contact me at marketoshift.com or head directly to oshift.com and look for Become a Facilitator. Uh, super easy to do, super inexpensive, and you could be teaching your teens, your staff, your coworkers, uh, super powerful material that will change their lives and will make you look like a rock star. So get on that at oshift.com. Thanks again for joining me again this week. I look forward to what we have coming up, and I know that you do too. Until then, goodbye and have a great week.